welcome to the Think Orange podcast, where we want to encourage and equip leaders like you who are investing in the faith and future of the next generation. This summer, we are so excited to share with you a special podcast takeover from some of our good friends. If you've ever listened to the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast, you know it's a great resource. And we are celebrating the return of the RYM podcast by sharing some of our favorite episodes right here. Now, maybe you don't work directly with teenagers, or maybe you lead kids or staff members or volunteers. Maybe you're a parent, and if that's you, I want you to stick around because the conversations in these episodes will be helpful to all leaders, no matter the age. And if you like what you hear, head on over to Rethinking Youth Ministries podcast and subscribe to that one too. But for now, enjoy this fan favorite episode from Rethinking Youth Ministry. Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey, everybody. I'm Sarah, and today I'm joined by Chef. Hey, everybody. Charlie. Hey, friends. And Brett. Hey, hey. And today on Rethinking Youth Ministry, we're talking about how do you create and sustain a healthy small groups culture in your youth ministry? And I am so excited to be talking about this today because this is something that Orange cares a lot about. This For is sure. kind of one of our foundational building blocks and what we're really passionate about churches developing in their youth ministries. Yeah. And you guys are experts. Former youth pastors, current youth pastors, spa group leaders. You missed it, but she did air quotes for experts. experts. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are experts. You do have a lot of years of experience, especially Chef. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about the rest yeah, of you guys. Say especially. <laughs> <laughs> but Chef is the author of two books, Lead Small and When Relationships Matter, Making Your Church a Place Where Kids and Teenagers Belong. So you've literally written the book on this. So well, we expect a lot from Some you of the today. books. and air quotes, wrote or written. That'd be great. I had a lot of help. That's for sure. Great. Well, let's get started, guys. So we use this word culture in our church world a lot. So what do you Mm. mean when we're talking about creating a lead small or small groups culture? What does that even mean? It seems like a buzzword. Yeah. I I do think the language, if you're not familiar with kind of orange language, Mm -hmm. we use small groups and lead small pretty interchangeably, which is if you've read lead small, then you'll kind of see where that comes from. But if you hear us as we talk about this idea of leading small or this idea of small groups, just if you're not familiar with that language, it's it's pretty much the same thing. Okay. That's helpful. I I think culture is a big idea. Yeah. um, As you were talking about, I think, you know, for me, when I first got the job at North Point, I sat down and I started to create a small group leader handbook. Mm -hmm. And I was trying to write down every single situation that would come up to help Uh these small group leaders figure stuff out so they knew what to do and when to do it and all those sorts of things. And about 80 pages in, I realized, one, I've never (laughs) read a handbook that I was handed. (laughs) So nobody's ever going to read this. And two, I wasn't even cracking the surface of how we want leaders to yeah. respond yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So if you're if you're thinking about it and you know you want your leaders to do something long term, you can't just tell people to do the right thing. Yeah. It's right. your culture that's actually going to inform mm-hmm. inform your small group leaders, inform your volunteers or your life group leaders or whatever you call them uh, to do the right things or the things that you want them to do. It's the yeah. way you talk about things, it's mm-hmm. the words you choose to use so that everybody learns it. It's the what you celebrate, it's all of those things. That basically creates this culture or yeah. this atmosphere where yeah. people 
understand what it is they're supposed to do, understand what they're in charge of, and hopefully all move in the same direction. How very former principal of you <laughs> to, 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 to like, oh, I, I need to create, to create a, handbook. a handbook. Well, that's exactly what it was. I was coming out of education and yeah. I, you know, and I had all this stuff and I realized I don't want to run a ministry where people ask, you know, in this situation, what do you yeah. want me to do? Yeah. I wanted to run a ministry of leaders who yep. are solving real yep. problems for kids. Yeah, good. I think that's right? a good but distinction. That, but that's harder to do, oh, and yeah. it's not always what yeah. people want to volunteer to do. So yeah. I, I kind of made fun of you, but I've, I've tried to create handbooks right. myself, and right. I'm sure most of us yeah. that are listening have gone down that road. Because a lot of times we have volunteers that come to us, and they just yeah. tell me what you want me to do. Yeah. And what they have in mind is like, okay, go put those tables up right. or you know, go right. sit with those kids and make sure that they're not too yeah. disruptive, something yeah. along those lines. Right. And it's harder to create that kind of the expectations and yeah. to equip them in a way where we're really calling them to right. lead this group of people rather than m making sure a program happens or something happens. Yeah. Right. I love that you're talking about the type of people who would, you know, show up for that because that's a huge part of the culture. That's mm -hmm. like the number one dial you can turn is what type of people are being attracted to this and those type of people that just want to be told what to do, they're yeah. probably not going to help your leader culture. I mean, there are jobs to do, but they're definitely not small group leaders. Yep. So know? what would you look for? What are the things that you would want to recruit in a volunteer small group leader? Well, I think, you know, I'm doing a lot of talking here. I'm looking over at Charlie and she Oh, I'm about, so I'm about to bust. Good, good I'm about to bust. She's bust. ready. I'm about to bust She's so open. She's good at all of this. Because, well, I spent most of my career in, as a youth leader in a smaller church, and my pew was not full of the folks I think you might be targeting, Chef. Right. My pew is full of grandma and grandpas, the 65 and older retirees. Yeah, which so, make amazing small group they're leaders. They're the best small opinion. group leaders. Yeah. I yeah. think they're the best. But they best. don't always think that they will be. Right. And so as you're talking about it, I love in my culture in a church, it was like a bulletin request. Mm. And that's not the kind of request that attracts a small group leader. Mm. And mainly, they don't even know what a small group leader right. is. So it's yeah. really defining right. that role and what that looks like and then talking to them over coffee, right? Yeah. So one-on-one -on -one kind of connection. Always one-on-one. -on -one yeah. because um, Rather than a bulletin. Yeah, because yeah. Mike with two hearing aids doesn't think he makes a great small group leader. Mm -hmm. And in fact, he's the best because he can turn them suckers down that's when right. the boys are too loud. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's a win kind. right there. Yeah. 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 I think that's a huge point. And to me, you know, one of the points we make in the book is um, that if you're looking for small group leaders who are up for a big challenge, then you've got to make a big ask. Mm -hmm. So to your question, yep. what am I looking for? Yeah. I'm looking for somebody who gets excited when mm -hmm. I cast vision for what we need. Yep. And, you know, I did 180 on this when I first started, like mm -hmm. I was in charge of finding small group leaders. So I figured out how do I make it as clear as possible? Mm -hmm. How do I make sure people know that we're going to take care of them, that we're, you know, and eventually I've gotten to the place where I stand in front of a group of prospective volunteers and I say, I'm looking for some specific types of people. This job isn't for everybody. And to mm -hmm. be honest, that's one of the most inspiring things you know, the yep. right person yeah. gets so excited about that. Tell me about this job that not everybody can do. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. I bet you, you know, I might be somebody like right. that. So yeah. um, I think it's a really big part. So that's one thing I'm, yeah. I'm looking for. Have you Has God ever put on your heart a certain person? Like to me, every time I pass a certain person at church, I was like, that's the kind of small group leader. Mm, I need yep. that person on my team. 
And every time that you would stop and talk to them or invite them out for coffee, they would always say no because they knew that you were going to talk, try to talk them into something. Right, right. <laughs> but I've been so convinced that God has put people on my heart before right. that they were supposed to be asked in a ministry. But yeah. do you know what I think? And I think some of this even comes back to this idea of culture is the easier that we are to say no to, the more likely someone that they're eventually going to say yes to us. Mm. Because I think that that was one of the things that in, in my mind as a leader in a church, uh-huh. when so much of my time is spent trying to create teams yeah. who give me a lot of time and energy and emotional investment, and I give them nothing monetary in return, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's, a, it's a big ask when we yeah. ask, ask with a K, when we ask them to do, <laughs> to do all of those yeah. different things. And so I always had it as a goal for me when I laid everything out and someone said, no, cool. Totally, yeah. totally understand. No I really, guilt, no shame. I really respect yeah. when people have those kind of boundaries. Mm-hmm. At some point, I hope yeah. this is a fit for where you are, and we can have this, and we can have this conversation again. And it That's just, it just completely changed the dynamic of my relationship with that yeah. person. Yeah. And it made sure that when people did join my team, it enhanced really that culture. That right nobody there. was showing up because yeah. of guilt or shame or yeah. anything along those lines. That they because for me a lot of you know when we talk about a, a small group culture a lot of the culture that we're trying to create is kind of this weird nebulous just how it feels right. in the room yep. yeah. and what is the energy and what is the buzz like throughout the whole congregation yeah. throughout the whole church and it's it's hard to measure some of those things but a lot of it just has to do with I think chef you kind of talked about this how do we encourage people yeah. how do we how do we celebrate what's happening in our groups how do we celebrate the way that that our volunteers are giving the time yeah. and the energy. And obviously a lot of it goes into making sure they're equipped to do the job well, you know, that they understand the expectations of, of what's, you know, of, of what's before them when they say yes to this sort of thing. And then just, you know, throwing parties like crazy, celebrating the things that God's doing through them. I think that's huge. One of the things you just said was making sure they're equipped. Mm -hmm. You know, when you're sending an email Sunday morning that, you know, (laughs) It has like last minute details, spell, yep. misspellings, all those sorts of things. I mean, you're sending a message yep. about how important you feel like their job is. And that's a huge, huge part of it. The same goes with the big ask, like you were saying, with <laughs> yeah. okay, right? I mean, that communicates how big you think the job is. Yep. Yes. And mm-hmm. nobody's got time to do this. So you've got to give them something worth point. the yep. time. Yep. And you've got to talk about it like that. Chef, I remember the first time I sat across from a potential small group leader and told him it was a three-year commitment. Yeah. I thought they were going to fall out of their chair. <laughs> like for how long? Three years. Yeah. yeah. Every and, Sunday. Every, every week <laughs> we need you for yeah. three years. But you know what? The, after the first year in, I always meet with them and reevaluate and they couldn't wait for the next two years. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because something happens when we begin Absolutely. to understand long-term relationships, not walking through a year of life, mm-hmm. but a phase of life with mm-hmm. people. And it makes a difference. And yeah. we've, good. you know, we've all probably heard these kind of things. And I know us around the circle, we have these kind of conversations. Like when you, when you raise the bar for what we're expecting people to do, people often yeah. raise yep. themselves to the they occasion. Yeah. And I, as someone who often operates out of fear and guilt, I don't know if that's a pastor's <laughs> kid thing or what, but it's a pilot. That was always, too, I can tell you that. that was always a really difficult piece of yeah. ministry for me is yeah. I felt, I felt bad asking people to do things that often other people felt like was my job yeah. to do. That's a good um, but eventually I, I sort of got over yeah. that. I think that you always <laughs> wrestle with that to a degree, but the reality is, is that when you, when you create an opportunity that, that we're trying to create in so many churches as a small group leader, it is difficult 
and it is a big ask yeah. and it does take a lot of different time, but leaders are attracted to those kind of opportunities. Yep. Right? Yeah. And when, when we raise the bar there, that's the kind of people that are often attracted to that. My, so I'm a small group leader. I've got a group. We started sixth grade. They're in eighth mm-hmm. grade right now. And my co-leader is the vice president of a multi-million dollar IT organization. Yeah. And he's flying around all over the place. I mean, he shows up to a small group on a Sunday after being in London for the, I mean, yeah. like yeah. we're talking about a guy who knows what he's, he's drawn doing, to the, but there, there, yeah, there is yeah. something to, you know, to this high bar where yeah. if they were looking for people to pull off a program and yeah. Hey, will you show up to make sure we've got this, you know, there's something for this group of kids yeah. to do. There's no chance that he would be giving his time for something like that. You okay. Know? So uh, real quick that what we've been talking about here so far is building, creating the small group culture. And we'll get to the sustaining, but right now we're just talking about kind of like these, the obstacles we're trying yeah. to overcome in the process. Chef, what well, I was just going to say, you know, when you talk about it as if it's just this hard job, as opposed to, this is actually a very rewarding thing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things I'll say in orientation is you might not understand this right now, but you're actually going to get a lot more out of this than you think you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it's and in fact, it's one of the ways I introduce coaches. I was like, basically, you've joined a spiritual gym. You don't know this mm-hmm. yet, mm-hmm. but you're going to you know that you've been asking to go deeper with Jesus. You've been asking, you know, mm-hmm. you know, for deeper teaching. This is actually what you've been asking yeah. for mm-hmm. is serving. Jesus is pretty clear. You're going to find life when you give it away. And so. I want this for people. Yep. I just don't need people to fill spots. I want this from people. So it changes the way I talk about it. And this guy you're talking about, your co-leader, he's getting something. Out yeah. of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a really, really big deal. Well, it seems like something I've kind of heard all of you sort of touch on is that the, you know, the one-on-one conversations that you're needing to have and really setting them up to understand the expectations is that you aren't necessarily going to fill up these spots quickly that it's going to take a lot more time to get the people that you need. So, but in the meantime, ministry is continuing to happen week in and week out. So what do you try, how do you kind of fill in the gaps in the meantime, before you, you've got these kids that are showing up, you don't necessarily have all the leaders that you need. What do you do as you're trying to create and sustain this small group culture in your youth ministry? That was always the tension I really struggled with because when both churches, especially the last church that I was at in Indianapolis before I started full-time with Orange, it was, I was there for about a year Mm -hmm. and, you know, for the first year we didn't really change anything and it was kind of a Sunday school sort of a model um, of ministry. And then, you know, we transitioned the next year and that was a really difficult year because I felt bad for the seniors and the juniors, because yeah. I knew that we were not going to be able to create what I knew we were going to be able to create in, in enough time yeah. for that. Mm-hmm. So I always just felt that tension of, I know this isn't going to work if we rush it, Yeah, yeah. but I have to take, you know, I have to take my time with what we're trying to create, but what can I do in the meantime to, to give us, to, yeah. to give us glimpses as mm-hmm. a ministry of, of what, of yeah. what this could be. So what'd you do? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, so what'd you do, Brett? Tell us. I mean, us. no no programming changed. Okay. I was intentional about trying to develop better relationships with our upperclassmen okay. than, than I was with, with yeah. other students because I knew that their best chance for a small group sort of in environment or small group relationships was mm-hmm. probably going to have to come from, from me. Yeah. And to be honest, me and my wife who, yeah, yeah. you know, had walked through all of these things with me before and kind of yeah. was on the same page. And then we spent that first year not really changing any program. 
but kind of doing a couple different things. Number one, having a lot of conversations behind the scenes, um, a lot of planning, a lot of dreaming with our leaders behind the scenes and a lot of raising the tension uh, for what the upcoming changes are going to be and why they're necessary with leadership and parents. Yeah. Uh, Because I don't think, you know, when, if we're trying to, to build and create a small group culture, I don't think it's it's just a programmatic shift. Yeah. This isn't that we're changing the nature of our programming. We're changing the philosophy of what we're doing. We're changing the strategy of how right. we're trying. Yeah. What we're trying to do is still the same thing. We're yeah. trying to help students become everything that God created them to be, for them to have you know personal relationship with Jesus Christ, all of those different things. But the strategy of how that's going to happen is very different. Yeah. And so you can't just all of a sudden say... Like, hey, next week, you know, we're starting to have right. small groups. No. <laughs> yeah. And so you, well, you have can. To, yeah, yeah, I guess you can. It's going to fail. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for me, when we wanted to start small groups, it was a year of work behind the scenes. That's a good We kept point. working with volunteers yep, and keeping right. the program. But right. a volunteer is not necessarily a small group leader. Yes. I mean, okay. that's two different roles. That's right. And so we were still recruiting people behind the scenes. So then a year from now, we're ready to launch with small group leaders and our new mm-hmm. change of ministry. Yeah. Yeah. And we, even with parents, we, so we made that big shift in my last church in Indianapolis. So that shift started in the fall, like whenever our fall kickoff was, but we had a big parent meeting in May and we kind of laid everything out and we said, Hey, when, you know, normal programming, when everything kicks back off in fall, here's what we're doing. Here's what's going to be different. Here's, here's why that's going to happen. And it gives everybody a little bit of time to raise that tension, everybody to live with that. So then when you really kick into high gear in the fall, everybody's sort of prepared for it. Well, I wanted to have all my small group leaders ready to meet the parents because of that shift is so important that the parents needed to be in contact with who was going to lead their kid. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of it. I mean, a lot of times I hear people who are having trouble be- and they're worrying about vocabulary and they're saying we've done this full scale change. And a lot of times, I mean, what parent wouldn't be more excited about? Right. This is a volunteer right. that's going to walk with your kids yeah. for yep. a season, whether we call this Sunday school or not. Right. You're casting vision to things that just make sense. Yep. Another thing you said, well, first of all, it's culture change in culture. Yeah. Change is long, hard work. Yep. Yeah. You will rarely see culture change. You just realize it has one day. That's yep. a good point. And so that's, that's one of the things that you have to remember. The other thing you have to remember about culture change is you will never be done. Yeah. It's not like we're making this shift. Yeah. And so next week <laughs> we have <laughs> right. a whole new culture. That doesn't happen either. Right. right. A lot of people always ask me what do I do in the meantime. I say probably what you did last week. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. you're not lowering the standards. And, and, and then I think the last thing you said that was so great was you worried about your juniors and seniors or you, mm-hmm. you felt a little bit guilty mm-hmm. about it. I mean, one of the advantages of family ministry is you've got this conveyor belt of students. Yep. And so often I can't find enough leaders. No, you can't, but you can find enough sixth grade leaders or ninth grade yeah. leaders. Right. Yeah. And yeah. as you know, and you're working. So anytime we would do a big change like that, yeah. if it wasn't programmatic, we would start those changes with the new leaders the who didn't lesson. know any different. For sure. yeah. You know what I mean? That's a good point. So and I think one of those big culture changes when it comes to volunteers is they begin to shift that they're that they're a volunteer or a teacher who's there to make a program happen yeah. to they are a pastor mm-hmm. of this group of boys that's or girls right. or whoever mm-hmm. it is for a phase of their life. Yep. And that that's the thing that it just takes time for them to be able yeah. to own that. I mean, for yeah. Ephesians 4.11, we can talk about how, you know, for those of us that are on staff at our church, it's 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 biblically not our job to do all the ministry, but yeah. it's to equip the people of the church to do that ministry. Right. But a lot of times we don't have churches 
who understand that, yeah. or that's the culture of the church. And so it takes a long time for those things to happen. I have a very distinct moment. You said that, you know, it, it doesn't change overnight mm-hmm. and yeah. you don't really recognize it until something happens and you recognize it. Um, so quick story. So we made that transition at my ministry in Indianapolis and, you know, for, you know, probably the first, the first year and a half, maybe even two years, you know, students are still coming to me for things instead of their small group leaders. Their small group leaders are coming to me with, what am I supposed to do here? What am I supposed to do here? Mm-hmm. It just, it was just kind of that slow transition. And then we had a, a weekend convention that we went to and, you know, Saturday night, as normally with a lot of these things, there's some sort of response time. Yeah. Um, and almost all the time at things like that previously, small group leaders are saying, hey, I just saw this person go forward. Can you go right. pray with them? Or, you know, students are grabbing yeah. me to go up and to yeah. pray with them. Yeah. And then there was this one, I'm going to get emotional talking about this. There was, I cry on every single podcast. <laughs> um, there was one year where there's the response time and nobody asked me to do anything. And I just got to walk around and see small groups praying with each other and small group leaders talking to the kids in their small groups. And it was like, oh my gosh, like it it finally, it finally happened. They recognize that they are the pastors of these groups and the students are recognizing them having that sort of a role. How long do you think it took? How many years? It took about 18 months, 18 months to two years probably for that shift to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Charlie, you brought up something that I thought was interesting. You're saying not every volunteer, when you're making the shift, not every volunteer is necessarily going to be cut out to be a small group leader. That sounds like a terribly awkward conversation. (laughs) And it can be, especially when you're a smaller church and the pool of people is small. Yeah. And you have, let's just call Ronnie, let's just say Ronnie wants to be a small group leader. (laughs) Right. But he doesn't really meet the expectations of what you need a small group leader to be. So, yeah, right. Because you know he's not going to be consistent. Right. Right. He's not going to show up every week. He's flying in by the seat of his pants every week just to volunteer, just to fill, be a warm body. Let's just call it that. And being a small group leader is so much more than being a warm body. It's pastoring students. And Ronnie just didn't have the qualifications. And I don't think he wanted to either. Right. Was he hurt that he wasn't asked? Maybe, but I still had the conversation with him, like why I didn't think he would be the right person. I just, I think it's important for people to realize when you're making that shift, that it's not just going to be a change in the language or program that like there's going to be shifts in in who is leading who, and that that can lead to some uncomfortable moments. It will. In fact, I think if you're not saying no, You've that might got be a work problem. to do. It is yeah. a problem because yeah. not everybody's cut out to do this. I mean, this yeah. is one thing we talk in the book. Like, if you can't sing, you don't get to be on the worship team, right? right? <laughs> if you have a quick well, gag response, you shouldn't work with the middle school boys. I mean, you know, those are <laughs> those are some of the things right. that there is some gifting to this. Yeah. In fact, yeah. I used to tell my groups directors that you can only increase people two points, meaning. If, if you interview them and you feel like they're a six out of 10, the best they're ever going to be is an eight out mm. of 10. And I just said, look, our kids get eights and up. That's, that's all mm. they get are eights and up. And yeah. as far as gifting now, in reality, I think culture and training can move people three points, Yeah, but groups directors are usually like super relational people who give people the benefit of the doubt. So that's how I adjusted, <laughs> you know? And so, but, but if they're a five or if they're a four, (laughs) they don't get to be a leader. Yeah. And And just because they're a five or four doesn't mean that there's not something else in the church. No, and they should be, they, they, there is a, there's a place they can be an eight to a 10, hundred percent. And we need to help them get there. Just making sure that's not chef's human judgment scale. Right. That's gifting for a role. This is what the parking team is for. Yeah. Right. 
The greener so, team. That's what we would do. We would move people to a different right. team because they're not suited to right. be a smoker. And how far out they are in the parking lot. Defines how weird. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> Well, That's fantastic. I, I had a friend telling me about he had somebody who was interested in being a small group leader. Yeah. And in the interview, he said, hey, I'd, I'd love to, to know more about why you're interested in doing this. Yeah. And the guy proceeded to talk for about five to seven minutes about how terrible culture is and how low biblical literacy is and how he really wants to help teach students the word uh-huh. and these yeah. different things, which I'm not saying that those are that, that those are bad things. Right. But as a small group leader, if you have someone who's coming in and their main their their main objective <laughs> is to teach students yes. something, then this mm-hmm. might not be right. that might not right. be the right That's fit not for the job description. No. Exactly. I mean, okay, so there what? is going to be teaching. Right. And there may even be a teaching team he needs to look into. Or not. But that's not what a small group leader. What, so, what job would be is. the what would be the job description of like a small group leader? If it's not that, just open I would up, think that would open be, up lead small right, right. next to you. Go ahead <laughs> right. and turn to page. Well, page. I, let, well, let me let me say this as yeah. as as not as not biased as possible. Lead small is an unbelievable job description manifesto yep. for what we're looking for for a small group leader. I didn't work for Orange when Lead Small came out, and we just stocked shelves. Yep. And yeah. so every time someone came to me and said, hey, I'm, I'm interested in what's happening out here. Same. What does it look like for me to get involved? Right. Open up the shelf, give them that. The handbook. It's the handbook it, that it Chef is. wanted to write. It really <laughs> is, which Chef isn't going to say, and it sounds biased now because we all work for Orange around this circle. Yeah. But it has been such a help for me to help people understand like, oh, this is what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, I didn't work for Orange either when I wrote it. It was what I felt like I needed in ministry. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So this thing all started when we just would put great leaders around the table and we would ask the question, um, if you were given advice to a new small group leader and they would just talk and we would record, Mm -hmm. you know, the first lesson we learned was not to have open Cokes next to the microphone recording their conversation. (laughs) Um, After that, we served sweet tea and unsweet tea. And we could hear their conversations and it was, you know, these big ideas kept bubbling up over and over again. I just got tired of saying, well, you're like a teacher and you're like a friend and you're like, I think this is the most important job in the world. Agree. And you should be told exactly what you are. Mm -hmm. And so that's why we we wrote Lead Small years ago. And I think that it's important to know, I mean, a small group leader in any age group is going to be important, but I think especially in youth ministry when we're talking about that shift from focus on parents and, and peers to having another adult in their yeah. life. It really does matter to pick people who are going to be able to lean into that job description. Back to your question about letting people go. Yeah. I think this is important. I put the leads, you know, lead small, we put it in their hands. And if they get excited about it, that's a good indicator as well. Like this is totally. what we want you to do. I know that there's a couple of churches they require <laughs> that their that their prospective volunteers read it and then they talk to them about it specifically. I just think that's interesting. But <laughs> we used to try to figure out ways to not have to say no. So we gave people outs along the way. It was a long that's process. Interesting. Okay. They had to fill out a background check. And if they won't do that, that's an out. They either fill it out or they come to you and say, Hey, I filled it out. I want to let you know what you're going to find. Right. Okay. So okay. those are all good conversations. Um, we give them lead small. We give them an application where we ask specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, we tell them, this is what it's going to take three years, you know, in my world, three years, every Sunday, two yeah. camps a year. That's the expectation. People self, you know, they walk away and then we set up interviews and those sorts of things. And along the way we would lose people. And right. then, but you still always had, who did you call him? Ronnie. I Ronnie. called him Ronnie, <laughs> but you can call him whatever you need to. <laughs> we still have those conversations. I which called him are Ronnie. Tough. I hope he's not listening. <laughs> yeah. 
So when I say you need to be saying no to some people, like a lot yeah. of times it's, it you agree it's not yeah. right. Yeah. And in fact, even after we would have a camp right away uh, for sixth graders and you could tell at the camp, uh-oh, yeah, uh, a couple of people have gotten into this Yeah, and it's better to have a conversation with them early and get a new leader in than for them to drop yep. 18 months later yeah. and then you're starting again 18 months in. And so often we would have those conversations and we would say, I don't think you like this. And 90% of the time they're like, you're right. Yes. Thank you for <laughs> you noticing. <laughs> and we want to give you an out. And yeah. most of the time they take it. So, yeah. Chef, you, you just know. said a lot of words that I think um, someone working in a smaller church would be like, wait, an application, yeah. an interview. Mm -hmm. Right. Some of, I think in small churches, that has not even Pulse crossed their requirement. mind. requirement. Right. Background check. Yeah. 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 Well, right. let's all do background checks. For Let me sure. say that. Yeah, let's that's just, the, everyone. Yes. That's yeah. the lowest fruit. Number one. The yeah. Background <laughs> checks. Yeah. But I think that's a lot for smaller churches haven't thought through that process. Yep. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? Because it usually is the reactionary. Like they don't have anybody else. Yep. We'll yeah. take Ronnie. I just need help. If Ronnie's, yeah. if Ronnie's willing, Ronnie we'll take alive, him. Right. So we'll have him. Right. And yeah. so I think rethinking the process of the recruitment to making it more of an interview process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you, that's right. You're interviewing for a job. You're not mm -hmm. finding helpers. Right. So if that's you and you don't have an application and you're not really sure where to start in that process, uh, we have something called a small group leader application onboarding kit that we will make available for you for free from our friends at goweekly.com, which you should totally check out if you need resources to help connect with and equip your parents and small group leaders. So if you need a little help, get started right there with kind of the things that Charlie was saying. Head to the show notes, click on that, and it'll give you a little bit of a head start. So most of what we've been talking about so far has been centered around the small group leader, but obviously there's a lot more that goes into sustaining a small group culture than just the small group leader, which is a lot of what the book When Relationships Matter is about. So what does it look like to sustain a small group culture in our youth ministries, not just create it? I think I'd start with the question, who in your ministry mm -hmm. feels directly responsible for the quality of small group leaders? In your ministry. Mm -hmm. And that may be you. You may be in a small church where that's got to be you. It may be a volunteer who's helping you do that. You know, one of the things I often say is if your um, ministry is bigger than six kids and more than one gender, you need help. You need to be finding mm -hmm. someone mm -hmm. to help you out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, this is a great example of where small group or small churches just have the advantage because, you know, you, you can keep your finger on this yeah. uh, a lot easier, but somebody's got to feel responsible for it. Somebody's got to feel responsible for finding quality small group leaders and then also w giving those small group leaders what they need on yeah. a weekly basis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know that was my biggest piece of ministry that I missed? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, cre we created small groups. We had a booming ministry in a small church. Yeah. And the next thing I turn around, we had 43 small group leaders, and I was the only person caring for them. Mm -hmm. yeah, and right. it just about killed me. And <laughs> yeah. I thought, I yeah. missed that next level, right? I missed the coach, yeah. right? Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. What, to explain to me what a coach would do, what you wished you had, Charlie. I wish I had someone who was solely responsible for loving them well, yeah. mm -hmm. cheering them on, and then training them. Yeah. So I was training the coaches, right? Ideally, okay. that would be what I'd want. And then that coach in return would be training and coaching right. 43 people. Right. Okay. Well, at the core of a relational ministry is this idea that we can only be so effective with so many people. Right. Yeah. Which is true all the way up the yep. line. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. So you, you know, the way you care for a hundred kids is you find 10 people that you can care for. Yep. So it's this, you know, relational 
pyramid scheme. Pyramid scheme. <laughs> at the end of the day, right? That's so funny. And so you're constantly thinking like that, but you've really got to give yeah. people. And I failed. I can't tell you how many times I failed. You know, in our big church context, we said that a groups director, a male groups director can handle anywhere from 80 to 90 small group leaders through their coaches. And a female groups director could handle anywhere from 50 to 60 or something like that. Mm. And the reason leaders? is, yeah, 50 to 60 leaders. Well, and not relationally, they still had a level of coaches between them. But okay. the reason we had those different ratios for males and females is like women do this crazy thing, like reply to emails and Correct. ask clarifying <laughs> questions, you know, where men thing. probably didn't read the yeah. email in the first <laughs> place. So that was part of it. But then we had to find coaches in between. Yep. And I failed yeah. at this three times. Like I oh. failed miserably. And I think that this is something that is starting to gain more ground in student ministry yeah. world with churches that do yeah. have uh, small group ministries. Yeah. And I think that it's it's easy to think that this is only something that really big churches can do. Yeah. But I'm finding more, more and more, you know, what we might call normal sized churches yeah. Yeah. that yeah. are trying to build this this middle level. Yeah. Well, and it helps you to leave well. Right. So when yep. you're leaving mm, a church, a I thought exactly I left right. really well because I had all these kids who didn't know me. They had leaders who loved them. And then you look back at the ministry a year later and all the leaders left. Hmm. And you're like, wait a minute, you committed <laughs> to all this and you were involved, but no one then took care of the leaders. Yep. Oh, yeah. And if you have coaches in place, right, that's the next yeah. pyramid scheme level, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a, a little plug for our, our Facebook page. I feel like every now and then I do see people say, hey, we're trying to figure out how to create this level, yeah. how mm -hmm. to make some small group yeah. leader yeah. coaches. Who's doing that out there? What yeah. have you done? What's your job description for this look like? Yeah. So again, you can find that in our show notes, but that's another great resource if you're thinking about what could yeah. this look like. You can find some people that are doing, probably even pick their brain and get some of their resources. Yeah. Okay, so coaches, having another level of kind of volunteer, investing in your small group leaders who are then investing in your students, that's a good way to sustain it. What would be something else that would continue to move your church towards a small group culture and keep it healthy? At my church, um, our small group leaders became a small group themselves. Oh, that's good. So yeah. they began doing Bible studies among themselves. Yeah. Um, we'd all go bowling together, go out to dinner together. And it created such a buzz that people wanted to be a part of what yeah. was happening, right? And so I had a senior pastor once tell me that I would have a waiting list of people to serve in my ministry. And when you're in a small church, you're like, that will never happen, mm -hmm. right? Lots of words said in there, like, no, no, no. But it's interesting when people begin to see God working amongst not yeah. only the students, but the leaders and how their life is changing and evolving, right? Yes. There's, yeah. Yeah, there's something so contagious about that. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. And that's why Great culture, that's why culture yeah. matters. Yeah. It creates this buzz and yeah. there's something contagious where people are like, what in the world's going on in the youth room or yeah. in the youth yeah. center or with the youth group? That's something that I really want to be a part yeah. of. So I think another really important thing is that we don't allow small group leaders to lead alone. Mm, um, some good. of that has to do with coaches too. Yeah. Um, but literally for their group that they're not leading alone okay. is that they're being co-leaders that are, are leading a group together. No matter think, the size of the group. I think, no, I, you know, personally, I don't, again, I don't, of course there are probably some situations, yeah. but in theory, I don't think that you start a new small group unless you have two leaders to start okay. it. Okay. I want to echo good. Brett because I'm currently a small group leader. We have seven high school girls mm -hmm. aging from ninth grade to 12th grade, and I have a co-leader with seven kids. And I think there's a lot of people going, one would be fine. Right. Yeah. I haven't been there in three weeks. Yep. 
Go ahead and call me out. It's fine. Yep. Um, it's orange tour season, everybody. Tour. <laughs> She's traveling. Um, but it's so great to have a co-leader step yeah. in. So I think seven kids is enough, yeah. right? I remember when we made that decision, we had this long meeting where we really were doing some soul searching as a team. Like if we really believe in this relational ministry, are we acting like it? Mm -hmm. Let's look at our checkbook. Let's look at our priorities. Let's yep. look at our calendars. Are we acting like it's the most important thing? And one of the things that came out of that meeting was we want two leaders per group because we were mixing groups when somebody wasn't mm -hmm. home and, you know, yeah. and, and community can't happen in that. No. Yeah. But I just remember sitting there as a leader thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have enough small group leaders yep. to do one leader right. per group. Mm -hmm. And we've just made the decision, yeah. you know, to go after this, but it was the best decision. And the other thing that surprised me is it made it easier to get leaders. That's what I was going to say because yeah. it yeah. seems For like sure. an easier act. Well, when people people are nervous about it, they're yeah. interviewing it, it's so funny because you say, oh, yeah, you would ha you'll have a, a co-leader and their shoulders drop. And they're yeah. like, oh, oh, I can do oh, that. I got this. Yeah. You know, if I'm not the only one. Yeah. I've got this, so it's fun. Yeah, well, on a practical level, like Charlie said, it just makes it easier to manage yeah. and right. figure out. There's a camaraderie that, yeah. that goes into Absolutely. that. That that just matters. It just it just makes it easier to deal with when you've got somebody else. You know, when you're at fall retreat and you know yeah. Paul is just working on your nerves, and you've got somebody else <laughs> who knows Paul yeah. and who can relate. Like like even making a joke to somebody else about like, man, Paul, Paul. is wearing me out. <laughs> like just having somebody else yes. who's like, man, I know. Like yeah. that. Yeah. Like those kind of things. Yeah, it just yeah. makes a difference. Well, it's also a check and balance yeah. for the mm -hmm. quality of your ministry. I mean, you've got two people there, so there's a safety aspect to that. Um, yeah. I love to put like an older, wiser Christian with a newer, excited mm -hmm. Christian to put that, you know <laughs> what I mean? Great. Because not you've got the excitement, older, but you also excited. have the wisdom. <laughs> and when the excited yeah. young Christian starts, you know, being a, a heretic, the, <laughs> <laughs> the older, the older leaders there to kind of clean up and all those sorts of things. But, you know, it is another uh, check and balance. And then mm -hmm. from the safety and, you know, yeah. people being alone with kids and yeah. all that sort of stuff, yeah. it just makes a ton of sense. And it is just more fun. It is. And I think it's a great recruiting tool because when I sit down yeah. with somebody and I'm like, okay, hey, we do, you know, we don't let people lead groups alone. Yeah, so you've yeah. got a couple options. Right. Yeah. We've got some other people that, you know, that we've been having conversations with that you'll, yeah. that you'll get paired up with somebody. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, or if you've got somebody who you think would be great at this. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you connect me with them. We'll get them involved yeah. in this process well, and you guys that can was one of our recruiting together. tactics. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we would sit down with a great leader and we would say, hey, we're not going to have enough leaders, which was always true. Yep. And you are clearly one of the top candidates. Um, <laughs> because of that, though, I've got some bad news. You know, uh, we're not going to be able to give you a co-leader. And then you pause. And then you say. Unless. Unless you can think <laughs> of something. You know what I mean? I mean, it works. It but works. But good it leaders works. recruit good leaders. Yep. Well, right? that's exactly right. And that's such a great tool. And I I want everybody to steal your language when it comes to that. <laughs> Little pause, take a drink of your water bottle. I know. I feel like Wait. it's like a police interrogation <laughs> slash small group leader hiring. <laughs> that's good. Um, chef, can I ask you a question since you're here and you're across the table from me? <laughs> sure. How do you handle first-time guests? Or visitors. Yeah. Because to me, that was always a, a point of contention. Yeah. Oh, just go with your friend. Right. But I don't know if that was the best thing to do because if they kept coming, they really couldn't fit in that small group. So you're talking about students who are first. Yeah. So what do yeah. you do with that? That's yeah. a hard piece, I think, of small groups. Yeah. That's a decision that you and your church have to figure out. I can tell you what we decided. Okay. Um, and 
the, the, one of the things we used to say as part of leadership is, you know, basically deciding to go with the, um, the decision that sucks the least because, okay. <laughs> because you can never get everything is you that want in out the of book? this. What chapter? Because yes. that needs to be a shirt. <laughs> The tension, the tension you're describing is mm-hmm. I don't want to mess up community. Right. But I also want to make sure, especially a guest of a friend feels comfortable. Right. Right. And that's a real tension. And here's what we decided to do, which was a little bit of both. We had a, um, we had a ministry called on deck mm-hmm. where if someone showed up for the first time by themselves, they got to go into a small group experience called on deck. If they came back again, then we would move them into a process where we were putting them into a group. So that protected groups in some ways from Mm -hmm. somebody showing up just once and never coming back. So, you know, at North Point, we had people come to our church on vacation. So we had these kids all the time, you know, because their parents had listened to the, you know, our pastor and they wanted to see it. They would drop their kids off. So that was one way we handled it. That wasn't the only reason we had it because we had lots of kids who showed up on their own. If a kid shows up with a friend, we allow them to go with that friend to small group. Okay. So it was a little bit of both. Um, that allowed us to talk about, you know, to the small group leaders then would basically tell us, this is a kid who's coming back. Yeah. This is a kid who needs to be yep. put into the group. It got a little bit awkward when there were different genders or different grade levels. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, different genders we did not allow. We, we, you know, often would have, and it didn't come up a lot. Like most yeah. people understood that. They would have, they would go find a friend that the, you know, girl could go with or the guy could go with. Um, but that's, that's really what we did is a little bit of both. Okay. But again, you, you could just protect groups or you could just leave. I wouldn't leave them open, but I don't know. So we, two quick thoughts on kind of how we handled some yeah. of this. Number one for like the friend or even the boyfriend, girlfriend situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we would just have almost like training conversations with some of our, our students. And when we talked about small groups, like as a, you know, once a year, usually from the stage, we would talk about why we do small groups and what Mm -hmm. we want it to be and all those kind of things. And we would talk about, so, Hey, when you bring, you know, a friend or if you bring a boyfriend or girlfriend, they're going to end up in small groups Mm -hmm. when they show up. And so here's how we want to encourage you to have that conversation with them when you're inviting them to church so that they walk in prepared. Because I think the biggest fear with the small group thing is just the fear of the unknown. Like they walk in and be like, because, you know, walking into a big room, there can be some safety in numbers with that. But like, wait, I'm just going to go over here with who? And so the other piece of that was our small group leaders in at least two students from every small group, we tried to have prepared and equipped that if somebody did show up, like they were a visitor or something along those lines, is that we kind of had a system in place that would get them connected with their small group leader Mm -hmm. and with someone who was going to be in their small group to kind of be an ambassador with them the whole time and kind of walk them through and break that fear of the unknown. Be like, hey, you know, what school are you going to? Blah, blah, blah. Oh, hey, we've got some bagels over here. In a few minutes, we'll go sit up the front. We'll kind of play a game, do some worship. And we do go into kind of these smaller groups and have some conversations. But you're in my group, so I'll just stick with you and it'll be fine. Well, another thing... I would, if we get back to the small group leader conversation or the culture conversation, yeah. I'd ask this question. Do you have a plan for the adult who shows up who wants to connect to your ministry? Like if they show up mm-hmm. on their own without being asked, yeah, those okay. are often some of the best volunteers you yeah. can get. Either they've moved into town, yeah. they're connected with. So whether it's a host team or you, like, are you prepared? Because that's gold. Yeah. You know, most of the time. That's why we run background checks. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> If they pass the background check, that's gold. That's somebody who wants to be there, right, without being convinced to be there. And so you have to have a plan to to get them. Okay, so to sustain culture, we've talked about having a coach that's kind of like 
coaching your your small group leaders, a co-leader, a way to handle first-time guests. Um, What about when it comes to the role of parents? How would investing in parents or leading with parents be different in a small group culture? When we would host our parent meeting at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the school year and we had all of our small group leaders in place, we would have the small group leaders then meet with the parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Small group leaders, of course, had a business card so that the parents could go home with who was leading their student. Okay. And so while even as a ministry, we still are trying to equip our parents, it was really that small group leader who was walking alongside the parent because they're Mm -hmm. doing the day-to-day with the student. And so we want to make sure that the parent and the small group leader connect. It's okay to have small group leaders, but if they're not connecting with the parents, it feels like the missing loop. Okay. Right. Right? Yeah. I think that's that's a really important thing. We would do a parent meeting before the ministry started where they would come and see the ministry. But one of my favorite things to say, and I would have like 15 minutes with parents saying, here's how you get the most out of ministry. One of my favorite things to say was, um, you need to realize that these small group leaders have gone through a 21-step interviewing process, and they have committed to three years every Sunday and two Mm -hmm. weekends a year to walk with your child, Mm -hmm. and they haven't met them yet. That's a big deal. Yeah. You know, they are really a big deal. And that, that would create a different feel for these volunteers, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They would get them Christmas presents, you know, (laughs) they would, you know, they would, they would want to meet with them when we did have the meet and greets and all those sorts of things. And, um, it, it just, the way you talk about the small group leaders to parents is a really big deal. I think sometimes though, as a youth pastor, you have to be okay with letting that piece go. Because you're no longer the hero then to the parents. Oh, okay. Yeah, yep, yeah right? explain that a little bit. Well, especially being in a smaller church, I mean, everybody knows you and everybody yeah. knows that you're the youth pastor yeah. and you're mm-hmm. the go-to. But when you start this shift to small groups, you have to be okay with letting that piece of your ministry go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to become less. I mean, it's part of the culture. Absolutely. Yep. You've got to make a bigger deal of them and you have to become mm-hmm. less. I mean, even... You know, when for camps, I would always have the communicator talk to the small group leaders on a video or something beforehand and say, here's how I'm setting you up for small groups. Yep. Now think about that. It, it helped the communicators understand your job is, you know, your primary audience is the kid, but the primary benefactor of your talk is the small group leader. Yep. And so that was a really big deal. And it reminded the small group leaders, oh, yeah. This is about, you know, the most important thing that's going to happen at camp this weekend are the circles, and I'm leading those yep. circles. Yeah. And yeah. you have to keep your eye out on how I can redirect things or conversations yep. to mm-hmm. connect parents and small okay. group leaders. So if parents are coming to me about something, hey, this is great. I would love to loop, yes. you know, yep. Dan's small group leaders into yep. this conversation yeah. because, yeah. you know, they're walking with Dan you know, week to week and and I'm not able to do those kind of things. And you can also step in there and take the bullet a few times for your small group leaders. You know, I remember when we made the decision that kids can't take their cell phones to camp or we're going to put the cell phones in a bag and we'll take them with us. A lot of parents had a big problem with that Mm -hmm. because they were like, I can't contact my kid. And it was like, look, this is our decision as a church. Don't, you know, don't worry the small group leader out about this decision. And then, you know, that was one where we had to step in. So, yeah. And ultimately, I feel like the most important thing that we could have done with parents is, is like you said, connect them with, with their small group leaders. So that yeah. changed the way that we communicated with parents. Yeah. When we got face-to-face with parents, how often we asked to get face-to-face with parents, what we did when we got yeah. face-to-face with parents, everything started to go through that filter yeah. of mm-hmm. it's not about what we have to say to them, but it's about how we can facilitate this relationship yeah. between small That's group good. leaders and parents. 
So it seems like the opposite's also true. If you're the go-to for your students and your parents, then it seems like you might still have a little bit of work to do yeah. kind of making the switch. A little bit of a litmus test. Yeah. So how does this affect programming? If you're going to be developing and sustaining a small group culture, what is, how does that look different than the kind of culture you'd had before? Yeah, I, th- I think that one of the key things is if, if you would agree with the statement that one of the most important things that we can do is connect adults outside of their parents into a weekly consistent relationship with students, then there has to be changes that we make to the way that we're doing programming to mm-hmm. highlight that. One, one of those would absolutely be that probably then the most important thing that you would say in your program is the small group time that you have. That doesn't mean that large group time or the teaching time isn't important, but it all kind of feeds into setting them up yeah. for small groups. So if that's true, the most important thing is often the last thing on the schedule, mm-hmm. which if you've ever been in student ministry, it's very easy for us to assume, okay, the game is five minutes, worship is going to be 10 minutes, mm-hmm. my talk is going to be 15, 15 minutes, that means we have this much time in small group. Yeah. But the game lasts eight minutes, not five minutes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They went a few extra choruses on every <laughs> single song for worship. Because worship leaders. Yeah. <laughs> I mean. And then let's get self-reflective. My 15-minute yeah. talk turned into 22 minutes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I'm dismissing. Eight minutes of small group. That's right. I'm dismissing yeah. to small group. They've yeah. got eight minutes from now. And so what does it look like for us to be really intentional about yeah. thinking with the end in mind and right. programming and drawing some pretty strict boundaries about how long mm-hmm. we're going to spend to make sure we've got a buffer there so that we know we're giving our small group leaders yeah. enough time and programming to have time for small groups. Yeah. And one of the indicators is your small group leaders will let you have it if you go too long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's yes. a good sign, you know, yeah. that, yep. that your culture is moving in the right direction. And again, that's if you do you know, small groups with your program. I know there are several churches out there who have, you know, Sunday night and Wednesday night, and they're trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. highlight all those things. And those are all really valid problems and questions. I think not only with the the schedule and the timing, I think just like the talk has to change. Yep. Yes. Kind of going back to what you were talking about, Charlie, like I think a really good small group talk doesn't allow a speaker to do the best things a speaker gets to do. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Explain that a little bit. Well, I mean, if so let's go basic. Yeah. Uh, back to Andy Stanley's book on communicating, Communication for Change. Mm-hmm. He, he has a rough outline, me, we, God, you, we, right? So here's something that I am working on, but I bet, you, you know, we all work on this together. What does God have to say about yeah. it? What should you do about it? Mm-hmm. And then the last we is, imagine if we all got this. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that, it's that you, it's me, we, God, and you as the small group leaders, John, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Okay. But those are often the most fun things to say as yeah. a communicator. Yep. Those are the things that people are going to tweet about you or they're going to tweet, you know, some <laughs> yeah. of the, some of the big powerful phrases, but you're literally giving those to the yep. small group yeah. leader. So you're, you're getting people interested in the topic. You're handling the biblical truth well mm-hmm. and responsibly, and then you're turning the conversation yep. over to the small group leaders and you're setting them up. Does it involve leaving them with a little bit of attention? Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. You don't answer questions yeah. so they can be answered in the in context group. of group. Okay. Which I want to plug XP3, which is the middle school and high school curriculum that we're kind of all a part of here. Because when I was in student ministry, it was hard for me to develop my own talks mm-hmm. that did that well. And so what I loved about XP3, I'm, you know, totally being an XP3 homer here, but what I loved about that was that it helped create some parameters right. and some yep. boundaries for me yeah. that helped me set up my small groups yep. to win. When if I was trying to do it on my own, I was probably going to resolve that tension right. from the stage right. because yeah. that's just what, that's yeah. what felt well, natural that, yeah. to me. You know, that's what most curriculums are for. 
they're, they're centered around the communicator, yeah. right? A lot of curriculums are centered around the, the communicator. If you buy somebody's notes online or something yeah. like that, it's about the communicator. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to find great notes that are small group centered. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget I was preaching in big church, you know, when right. you get the yeah. invitation. Right. It's usually, what, the Sunday after Christmas? That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my pastor gave me feedback, and he was like, you don't ever resolve anything. He goes, you've got to change how you communicate. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm killing it as a youth pastor though. Right. <laughs> I'm setting up great conversations. Great. You know, I had, um, I got to work with Andy Stanley and I remember him talking to us about how we're communicating in students. And somebody asked him the question like, Andy, if you knew that everybody was going to small group after your sermon, what would it change? Mm. He said, it would change absolutely everything about mm. the way I communicate. Which I thought was huge. Here's this yeah. amazing communicator going, no, no, no. The goal has changed as yeah. a communicator. Yep. Yep. You know, if the goal is to set up conversations, then it's a whole different yeah. way of approaching it. So which I want to hit on that a little bit more as we as we think about programming. And Chef, earlier you said that, you know, we've got a lot of ministries out there that they sort of if even if they are doing small groups and trying to invest and create and sustain the small group culture, their programming has kind of a one large group program, maybe on Sunday night yeah, or Wednesday yeah. night. And then they've got small groups, maybe on Wednesday night, Sunday mornings, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And I would say if, if it is a priority for you to, to get every student in your ministry connected to another adult, yeah. mm-hmm. then you have to think through what is the strategy of only having one large group program where that's right. all it is. Right. And if that is what it is, because having, having a different program that maybe meets in homes that is just small groups definitely has some pros and you get to go a little bit deeper. You get to spend more time together. There are some great aspects to that. But if you've got Sunday night, Wednesday night, when most of your friends, most of your visitors, most of your students are showing up, we still have to create some sort of opportunity Mm -hmm. where they can connect to who their small group leader would be if they Mm -hmm. do start showing up Mm -hmm. for small groups or if they haven't been to small groups in a while. There's, there's gotta be some connection point, Mm -hmm. not saying that you have to have small groups every time you do large group. I think there are some great benefits to that, which we talked about. But even if we're not doing that, I still think it's one of those things that we have to be thinking through. How does our programming across the board, not just our actual small group program, but how does our strategy of programming our discipleship process across the board feed into this idea if we're saying that this is the culture and the strategy that we want? So I've been thinking about this with a couple of things that y'all have said. Does this look different with middle school and high school ministry? Like, (laughs) Because, Chef, you're making the point that your small group leaders will let you know that if you've taken up too much small group time because they don't have enough time to unpack something. But I would assume in a middle school environment, that would be different. They're not looking for 45 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine 45 45 minutes with a sixth grade boy? No. No, I think, you know, we would always schedule with middle schoolers, we would schedule 30 minutes. And I would always make sure to tell parents. Hey, if they're going long in small group and they're talking about Jesus, please don't text and please don't interrupt. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I basically would tell them from the beginning, if it's a really good conversation, you're going to be standing in the hallway for a little bit yeah. longer. And often eighth grade girls would go for 45, you know, I mean, but, and I think small group is longer with high school Yeah. and I would program that differently. I think you can go, you know, it's not, you don't dumb down a curriculum for middle schoolers. Okay they're asking different questions. Yep. So that's one that's one yep. really important aspect of communicating. You can communicate to both middle schoolers and high schoolers in the same room, but you have to be super thoughtful about how you're doing it or you're going to miss one audience or yeah. the mm-hmm. other. Um, it's possible. I would rather communicate to them separately and give them different, you know, small mm-hmm. group lengths and all those sorts of things. But a small group culture would 
potentially look different in the actual small group based on the age groups? I think there are almost different wins in my mind yes. with, with yeah. a middle school small group conversation and with a high school small group conversation. Yeah. Some of that, like Chef talked about, is is length. If I get what I feel like is five to six minutes of on-topic, substantial conversation <laughs> that was in quotes, with, substantial. With, with, with my group of, of eighth yeah. grade boys, yeah. yeah. I can I can walk out feeling you know feeling yeah. pretty good if, if, yeah. even if we had 15, 20 minutes yeah. and five or six minutes of that were yeah. on topic. Yep. And I think that's important to point out to the yeah. small group leader that that's the win. Absolutely, it's a different. It's I used look to have different. people come out and they're like, I only got ten minutes of the conversation. I'm like up top, yeah. you know, yeah. what I mean? <laughs> like that's incredible. Yeah, but they remember a lot more than we think they do, and that's another thing you have to okay. remind your small group leaders is. You are having an amazing effect. You just don't see don't it. See it and those, maybe someday right they'll away. tell you. Yeah. Probably not. <laughs> probably not. But those conversations that you do leave hanging your head like, oh my gosh, we got nothing accomplished. Yeah. Those over time yep. make those campfire conversations at That's fall exactly retreat right. happen. That okay. those that what when we do have the 45-minute conversations mm-hmm. around the fire at the retreat, those don't happen if not for you know, the, the 15 small groups you had over the past year where you yeah. feel like, oh my gosh, like yeah. we, I don't think we got to one yeah. important thing. So it seems like for, for a small group culture, you're really playing a long game that you're not oh, necessarily yeah. seeing these sure. little wins along the way, but you, you're playing for years down the road. Yeah. yeah. Which as the, as the student pastor and as coaches, again, it's so important that we help our small group leaders under, understand that, that yeah. so that they're not getting discouraged and they're yeah. not wanting to walk away. And it's another great reason why we put two small group leaders in a group together where they can commiserate when yeah. it was a, it was a difficult week and remind yeah. each other like, all right, but hey, remember the conversation that we had, you know, four months ago, it right. is possible for right. us to have right. good conversations with them. Yeah. This just wasn't our week. That's good. Well, I feel like this has been a really helpful conversation on multiple levels, no matter where people might be in their process of kind of engaging in small group culture or thinking about it. And so to kind of wrap up, I just wanted to go around the table and hear one piece of advice or encouragement that each one of you would pass along to a youth ministry leader who's either just started a small group ministry or it's maybe one year in and feeling discouraged and isn't quite sure where to go from here. I think... My piece of advice is the same for both of them. Like Mm -hmm. right now, write down five names of people you know that are great with kids because whether you're just starting or you're a year in, you don't have enough leaders, Mm. you know, and the, the, the people you put in the room is the number one Mm -hmm. thing you do for Mm -hmm. your culture Mm -hmm. and just find great people, cast vision, keep trying. Mm -hmm. If you meet somebody new, it is, you know, they are fair game. So yeah. <laughs> you're constantly recruiting, constantly yeah. casting vision. And at the end of the day, you know, I want you to get to a place where you're not asking people to help that you want something for them and you're mm-hmm. excited that's for them good. to be yep. a part yeah. of something that's, that's really working. That's really good. I would say, and, and Sarah, you kind of hit on it a minute ago. Just remember that it is a, it is a long game. Mm-hmm. Remember that this is a, a big picture, long-term investment that mm-hmm. we're making that we're not always going to be able to, to see to see the fruit from whether that's the, when the leaders get it or, you know, when the students, you know, really buy into it, whatever, whatever it is. So stay encouraged, even in the midst of the discouragement, maybe, and never, never stop raising the tension and casting vision for why small groups matter, why relational based discipleship is really what we're talking about here. Why this is what you're doing 
and why everything centers around that. So yeah. the way that you talk to leadership in your church in meetings, the way that you uh, talk to parents and set small group leaders up to win, the way that you talk about small groups and relationships with your students, mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. turning that tension to why we do small groups the way that we do and why it matters and, and what we hope we get to see and experience yeah. because of those things. That's good. I would say if you have a small group ministry to keep encouraging your small group leaders, because Mm -hmm. I think it's sometimes hard to be a small group leader. Um, I'm currently sitting in a circle and I think all of us here lead small groups, but keep encouraging your small group leaders because it's not always super easy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And so celebrate them, encourage them. Because I think sometimes as a small group leader, you think you're not doing anything. Yeah. yeah. And if you're only having a five or six minute conversation where you actually talked about Jesus, you're go home discouraged. Right. So clarifying the win for your small group leaders and keep encouraging them, love them well, yeah. and um, keep pushing them to do what they're doing. That's good. Guys, thanks so much for sharing your experience and your advice and just the insight and things that you've learned in your years of youth ministry. I think that was super helpful mm-hmm. for a lot of people. And thank you for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. As we wrap up, we want to remind you that if you want to check out either of the books Chef has helped write, Lead Small or When Relationships Matter, and check out the free small group leader application download that we mentioned earlier, you can visit our show notes at rethinkingym.org. That's also where you can find a link to our Orange Students Facebook group, where we're talking about topics like this all week long. Until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Think Orange podcast and for tuning in to this special episode from Rethinking Youth Ministry. If you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, search Rethinking Youth Ministry wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll find the entire episode there. And if you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to check out more resources from Orange students, including our weekly youth ministry curriculum, XP3. And help us welcome back Rethinking Youth Ministry by posting your favorite episode and tagging at Orange Leaders and at Orange Students in the post. That's it for the Think Orange podcast. Until next time, keep investing in the faith and the future of the next generation.